0: He says, don't be judgmental, but use good judgment. <laughs> Determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. Live your life, your lifestyle should be lived in such a way that you don't put a stumbling block in your brother's way. Don't make it hard for them. So I think this is kind of the title to this next section, if you will. And the first half of the chapter, we live for the Lord. Second half of the chapter, living for the Lord involves living for your brother. Your brother. In fact, when Jesus was asked about these things, he said, Look, what's the great thing? Love God with everything you got and your neighbor is yourself. He talked about the vertical and the horizontal, they're tied together.
1: Welcome to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part three of the message titled Regarding Weaker Brethren. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started.
0: Take your Bible and turn to Romans 14. Our Lord, uh, when He left, He, you remember, took some time in the Garden of Gethsemane, and He prayed, and the Gospel of John records it for us. And He said, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, and He's thinking of the twelve, but of all those who believe in me through their word, that they all may be one. He prayed not just for those immediate believers, but for all of us who would believe in him through their word. And he prayed that we would be one, even as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be in us, that the world may know, that the world may believe that you sent me. He gave a last command. He said, I have a new commandment for you, love one another. By this, people will realize you're my disciples if you have love for one another. The Holy Spirit came to produce the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, we're told in Ephesians. God is glorified when his people dwell together in unity. And uh, this chapter, Romans 14, is so valuable in undergirding that unity and principles that we can uh, use to honor God to live uh, in right relationship to our brethren particularly our weaker brethren you know uh, this chapter we looked at the first half of it last time but he's dealing with things that are questionable or not black and white not spelled out some things are wrong the Bible condemns them some things Are right. The Bible commands them. But many things in life are left to our discretion, and there's not a moral issue one way or the other. And Paul is dealing with that sort of thing in this chapter, and he's telling us how we ought to relate to one another. And just to give you the background, because it's a background that we don't live in, really... In the first century, there was much idol worship all around the Christians. Many of the Christians were coming right out of gross idolatry where they would have sacrificed their food to idols, literally, before eating it. And where the grocery stores and the restaurants and, you know, wherever, the meat had already been sacrificed to idols. And to those coming out of that paganism and the defilement of paganism, and all false worship, why it was distasteful to even think about that, to the Jew who understood how uh, what an abomination this was and who had now come to Jesus Christ. There was a different set of values working, but uh, they lived in that kind of a culture. And, uh, in fact, I told you to turn to Romans 14, but turn over to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. Let me just... I think sometimes the words of Scripture are the best background and... Uh, So Paul deals with this and, and he, because he's going to use this as an illustration in Romans 14. I want us to have it in our mind. And then I don't want to give a bunch of illustrations because I told you last time, I don't really want to raise things up in your mind that aren't an issue for you. Uh, but the Bible uses this one. We'll use this one. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23. And he states this very clearly in chapter 8. You can read the whole of chapter 8 too. Uh, but 10:23, all things are lawful. But not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify or build up. Let no one seek his own good but that of his neighbor. Eat anything that's sold in the meat market without asking questions for conscience sake. You don't have to go into the meat market and ask, has this been sacrificed to idols or not? Just eat it, he says. Don't ask questions. For the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. What a tremendous statement. Verse 26. Verse 26. Now, if one of the unbelievers invites you and you wish to go, eat anything that's set before you without asking questions for conscience sake. Somebody asks you over, don't worry about what's happened to the hamburger before it got cooked. I'd I'd worry about getting it cooked myself. I'd worry if it came from Britain. No, I would just leave that off. But anyway, if anyone should say to you, this is meat sacrificed to idols, do not eat it. For the sake of the one who informed you, and for conscience' sake. I mean not your own conscience, because you know that anything can be eaten, you know, he says, but the other man's. For why is my freedom judged by another's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I slandered concerning that for which I give thanks? Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of the many, that they may be saved. Turn back one page, and let's just let Corinthians 8 give us some information too. Now concerning things, sacrifice to idols. We know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge makes arrogant, but love edifies. If anyone supposes that he knows anything, he's not yet known as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he's known by him. Therefore, concerning the eating of things sacrificed to idols, we know that there is no such thing as an idol in the world, and that there is no God but one. Oh, we know these things as Christians. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, I know people have their little gods today. People constantly tell me about their personal God, my God this, or versus your God and that kind of thing. He says, I know they have them, but uh, there's only one true one. Yet for us, verse 6, there's but one God, the Father from whom are all things, and we exist for Him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and we exist through Him. However, not all men have this knowledge, but some, being accustomed to the idol until now, eat food as if it were sacrificed to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. But food will not commend us to God. We're neither the worse if we do not eat, nor the better if we do eat. But take care lest this liberty of yours somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone sees you who have, no, who have knowledge dining in an idol's temple, will not his conscience, if he is weak, be strengthened to eat things sacrificed to idols? For through your knowledge he who is weak is ruined, the brother for whose sake Christ died." And thus, by sinning against the brethren and wounding their conscience when it's weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food causes my brother to stumble, I will never eat meat again that I might not cause my brother to stumble. Now, I think those scriptures uh, are self-explanatory almost, and I read them as a backdrop to the principles that Paul gives us here in chapter 14. Now I want you to look at 14 because he's telling us how to relate to our weaker brethren. He's not speaking about weak in the sense that their faith is weak in Christ as in shaky, that they don't, haven't laid hold of, laid hold of Christ. He's talking about they have a little bit too, too many scruples, you might say, in things that the Bible is silent about. And they've, uh, they've been hindered in that freedom of liberty that the stronger Christian has. And uh, he's telling us how we ought to relate in those ways. Now, if I uh, look at chapter 14 to write, I would say this. The first 12 verses that we looked at last time underline our liberty. Listen, we know there's no such thing as idols and meat sacrificed to us. Just eat it. And he says, even days, some men regard one day above another and have their holy days. Others regard every day alike. Let each man be fully convinced in his own mind. Don't worry about it, he says. There's liberty in Christ, the first 12 verses. 13 through 23, the second half that we want to look at today, limitations to that liberty. The healthy Christian, the wise Christian, the strong Christian voluntarily limits his liberty so as not to hurt his brother and so as to keep the main goal, glorifying God, through a unified and peaceful body of Christ now kind of keep that in mind and let me just uh, review where we were last time he says verse 1 accept the one who is weak but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions accept your weaker brother two temptations we saw in verse 3 there's the temptation for the stronger one let him who eats that's the one who has freedom to eat meat vegetables he doesn't care because he knows that's not really the issue it's not what goes in that defiles a man Let not him who eats regard with contempt him who does not. Don't you fall into the temptation of looking down your nose at the weaker brother. And second temptation, the end of verse 3, if you've got some scruples that you follow, have them as your own conviction, but don't start judging those who don't follow your little list. And so there's this temptation to have no regard and despise your brother who has his... Limitations, and if you have your list of things you don't think it's proper for you to do, don't judge those who have more liberty than that. And the overriding principle, verse 4 Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and stand he will. For the Lord is able to make him stand. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is judge. And who are you to meddle in the affairs of his household? <laughs> That's the principle. That's the point. You leave that between the brother and the Lord. And by the way, let's just stop and enjoy it. Look at verse 4. To his own master he stands or falls, and stand he will. For the Lord is able to make Him stand. Oh, I want to re-enjoy it again today. Your standing in Christ, Christian, cannot be affected by my opinion of you or your opinion of me. Our standing in Christ is secure. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of His glory, blameless. With great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen, huh? What a great way Jude closes that little epistle. Your standing before Christ is secure. Nobody can bring an accusation against you, not even Satan, the accuser, because there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, we ought to rejoice in it. We ought to bask in it. In fact, in Romans 5, he says, you've got peace with God. And he says, so exult in it because you're standing in grace. Listen, to his own master, he'll stand or fall, and stand he will, Paul reminds us. And we ought to just stop and enjoy that every chance we get. Every day, we should give thanks for that truth but he says don't meddle in the lord's affairs that's between him and his lord and the lord is able to make him stand jesus christ is lord and jesus christ is judge and we're going to give account of ourselves down at verse 12 where he closed off so then each one of us shall give account of himself to god i'm not going to give account of myself to you i'm going to give account of myself to god and you're not going to give account of yourself to me going to give account of yourself to God. And I'm not going to give account of my brother to God. I'm going to give account of myself, and so are you. So let 12 sink in. Each one of us shall give account of himself to God. So do all that you do for the Lord. Five times he said it in verses 6 through 8. Not one of us, verse 7, lives for himself, and not one dies for himself. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. We are the Lord's. Now, if that's as far as we went and that's as far as we got last time, if we just stopped there, it might be thought, well then, don't worry about the brothers. (laughs) Do your own thing. Go for it. Who cares? You stand before the Lord. But the rest of the chapter takes that that sounds a little crass and wrong, even just saying it, doesn't it? And he does tell us, and he's going to tell us to go for it here in the last half of this chapter. He's going to tell us what to go for, though. And that's so important. And the healthy Christian, the mature Christian, is to live in peace with his brethren. And so chapter, or verse 13 through 23, there are several principles of limitation, you might say, on that liberty. Therefore, he starts, verse 13. Let us not judge one another anymore. Don't be spending all your time and energy judging other people. Yeah, I know Christians who who it seems like their mission in life is to judge things that the Bible's silent about. Whether it be style of clothing or style of this or style of that, you know, just constantly. He says, therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. Don't spend all your energy judging one another, but rather, he says, judge, and that, look at the word determine. It's the same word in the Greek. He uses a play on words here. And we use the English the very same way, don't we? He says, don't be judgmental, but use good judgment. (laughs) Determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. Live your life. Your lifestyle should be lived in such a way that you don't put a stumbling block in your brother's way. Don't make it hard for them. So... I think this is kind of the title to this next section, if you will, and the first half of the chapter, you live for the Lord. Second half of the chapter, living for the Lord involves living for your brother. Your brother. In fact, when Jesus was asked about these things, He said, look, what's the great thing? Love God with everything you got and your neighbor as yourself. He talked about the vertical and the horizontal, they're tied together. First John says, listen, if you love God. Don't try to say you love God and hate your brother. That's not the way it works. The horizontal's tied to the vertical. So he says, don't spend your time judging, but rather judge this, determine this. Use good judgment and live your life in such a way that you don't put an obstacle in front of your brother. Now he's going to expand on this. He says, I know, verse 14, I'm convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. Wow. That's a strong statement, isn't it? I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. In Timothy, Paul wrote, Foods, all foods, which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. They're for us. All of them. Food will not commend us to God, he writes in Corinthians 8, verse 8. We're neither the worse if we do not eat, nor the better if we do eat. All things are clean. I'm convinced of that. But, look at the rest of the verse. To him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. There are several ways that something clean in and of itself can become unclean. And he's going to Help us see that. In and of itself, there's nothing wrong. Go ahead, eat or drink, he says. But that which is clean, if you think it be unclean to him, it is unclean. That's the first way something clean can be unclean. If you think it's unclean to you, it is unclean. Now, he's not talking, again, about moral issues. This isn't the gross subjectivism that plagues our generation, well, do what you like. It doesn't matter. Now, if it's not good for you, well, then don't do it. When he's talking about moral issues, oh, no. These are issues that have no moral issue to them. not. Don't you try to apply Romans 14 to things that God says don't or do. No. He's talking about what diet you eat, that kind of thing, what style of music. You know, on and on the list could go of things that God is silent about. And he says... Let these things go. Now, they're not unclean. But to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him, it is unclean. For if because of food your brother is hurt, you're no longer walking according to love. You see, this has everything to do with your brother because this can put a stumbling block before your weaker brother. And he says there's a higher law than the law of liberty. It's the law of love. Remember what he said just a few verses ago? Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. By this, they're going to know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, if because of food, verse 15, your brother is hurt, you're no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food him for whom Christ died. Think about it. Live your life in light of Christ's lordship. Yes, he's already said that. Live your life in light of the judgment seat of Christ. He's already said that. But live your life in light of the cross of Christ. Don't hurt with your food. Don't destroy with your food him for whom Christ died. Think about it. You're exercising your liberty and saying, I'm free to do this, I'm free to do that. And you're destroying your brother for whom Christ died? Get it in perspective, he says. And you say, Scott, that's a strong way to put it. Destroy? Well, I didn't put it that way. God did. I'll tell you something. If you put a stumbling block in front of your brother such that he's tempted to sin... Sin destroys. Even every sin, even sin of like eating meat that's in and of itself okay. But if you go against your conscience and just say, I guess that's okay, I'm gonna do it because he does it. And, I'm, and like he talked about in Corinthians 8 and Corinthians 10, and you go ahead and sin, sin destroys. Do, uh, if we learn nothing else today, think about that. Sin destroys. Now, you're not talking about eternal loss of salvation. But he's talking about destruction. Destruction. A child of God can't lose his salvation, but boy, sin can mess you up. Stop and think sometime. In fact, list it. What happens when you sin to you? What happens to your mate? What happens to your kids? What happens to your parents? What happens to your co-workers? What about, how does your sin, sin that you indulge in, how does it affect Christians? How does it affect non-Christians? How does it affect your Lord? You know, Romans 7 said, sin is utterly sinful. We ought to remember that. Don't destroy with your food him for whom Christ died. And parenthetically, not only think about how destructive sin is, but let me encourage you, if you're cutting sin some slack in your life, Christian, Remember, it destroys. If you're saying, Oh, I'll just let it go. You keep short accounts. As soon as God convicts you of that sin, confess it to him. If we say we don't sin, we're liars, John says. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness because the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin.
1: been listening to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled Regarding Weaker Brethren, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to abideintheword.us. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the Ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us for our live online Sunday worship service at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8:30 and 11 a.m. You can find us live on YouTube by searching for SW Bible Live or go to swbible.org and click on live stream. We also broadcast the service live on the radio on True Talk 800 a.m. It's best to check the 800 a.m. program guide for up to the minute schedule adjustments. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking,
0: but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I know Christians who spend much time busying themselves, defending why it's permissible for a Christian to do such and such. And boy, if you ever... You know, if you ever get them started, that's their trigger point. They're quick to tell you why they have the freedom to do this and that and everything's clean in Christ and blah, blah, blah. And they'll give you 17 It's as if they're... Listen, don't let what for you is a good thing be spoken of as evil. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, seeing how long you can make your list of all your liberties, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You know, you can hurt yourself. You can hurt your brother. You can hurt the church by flaunting your so-called liberty.
1: Join us again next time as we continue our series through the Book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings the fourth and final part of the message titled Regarding Weaker Brethren. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.